Hi, I'm Ryan Holmquist. And I'm Ellie Holmquist. And this morning we are reading in our home. Um, we'll be reading from Matthew 20, verse 29 through 34. As Jesus and the disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside when they heard Jesus was going by. They shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted even louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped short and called to them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. I will be reading Matthew 21, verses 12 through 17. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany where he spent the night. Well, good morning, Restoration and friends and anyone else who is tuning in with us. It is good to be with you. And I'm glad you're tuning in, and I'm glad you're welcoming each other and greeting each other in the comments. I encourage you to continue to do that uh, today, because these are some strange times. I mean, I went to the grocery store early last week. I only needed a couple things that the other grocery store was out of. And as I grabbed the eggs and headed for the brown sugar, there they were. Seven packages of toilet paper. And the reason this is so exciting to me was because I tried three places last week and they were all sold out. So I'm not hoarding, just want you to know. I just mean like, oh, super thrilled. So anyway, I think my staff is super thrilled too because when we were coming into the office, we were getting a little low. But it's crazy. People are panicking. Stay at home is in effect. Social distancing is mandated. Children started e-learning. And as long as the school websites aren't crashing, that is probably happening. But businesses are closed, and many other businesses are simply trying to survive this pandemic. And as I have prayed and reflected on this, one of the biggest challenges that I see to all of it is the uncertainty. I mean, we just don't know what to expect. How many of you feel paralyzed and crippled in these times? And I wonder if that feeling is connected to our expectations. Like some of you even wrote in the comments already, I expected to be waving palm branches at church and I missed that. Or I expected to be planning an awesome Easter celebration with the people of Restoration and I expected to join my family next week for Easter. But 
Instead, I'm left wondering how long this stay at home will actually be in effect. One of my daughters expected to be finalizing prom committee decisions that she's been working on for months and months, but now she's left assuming there will be no prom. Maybe you could share some of your, what you are expecting in this season that's going unfulfilled in the comments. We might even be able to get to them. See, in the events that we now call Palm Sunday, we see three expectations to Jesus as he arrives in Jerusalem the week before he gives his life for us. And as we look at them, we want to consider which expectations that we align with most and where God wants to meet us in that. So Lord, would you just speak to us, Holy Spirit, as we um, meet through technology We ask that your Holy Spirit would be present with us. We know that you are here and you are in each home that's listening. We pray that you would speak to us and speak to our hearts about where we're at and how you're with us in it. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first reading that we heard this morning went with our group of opening songs, and it's often called the triumphal entry. And the writer of Matthew wants us to catch some specific details that we might miss. First, Jesus gives some very specific information about how he's to enter Jerusalem. He's to ride a certain donkey from a certain place, and they're supposed to do that in a certain way. And the writer of Matthew says that this is connected to this Old Testament prophecy from Zechariah, it's not chapter 9, verse 9, where the chosen one would come, and when he did, the people would rejoice because that king who's coming has been declared righteous and saved by God. That's how Zechariah 9, 9 looks in God's word. But when Matthew says his little part of it, he leaves out the righteous and saved by God part. Because at that moment, the crowds aren't sure what they mean when they call out to Jesus, Hosanna, son of David. Is he king? Is he prophet? Is he savior? And if you're not sure, the writer emphasizes this by his last comment in that section. When the Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And the crowds do call Jesus a prophet, and it's true that he is a prophet, but he is so much more than a prophet. I mean, when Jesus started his ministry, one of the people that would become one of his chosen students said, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? See, the prophet didn't just come from Nazareth, and he didn't just ride into town on a white horse like a military general, or in our days, he didn't fly in on a private jet like a dignitary. He didn't drive up in a fancy sports car like a businessman or woman. He doesn't cross the red carpet like a famous entertainer. He doesn't even climb a staircase where he can stand above his subjects. Instead, he flips their expectations and becomes the humble servant. And the crowd cheers for Jesus as long as he fits their expectations. They'll sing and they'll wave palm branches and they'll shout Hosanna as long as he does what they expect. 
Now, where is Jesus flipping your expectations? I mean, maybe you had a nice trip planned for spring break, but instead you've been stuck at home. Maybe you had expectations of spring sports or watching March Madness, and instead you're just waiting and wondering for whenever those things might start again. Maybe you had musicals or plays or shows that you've been working at for weeks or even months, and now you're pretty sure they aren't going to happen. Maybe you even had some concert tickets that are just a waste of money right now. Or maybe you've recently dedicated your life to Jesus. Or perhaps you've been following him for a long time, but you never thought it would be this hard or that you'd be this down. Let me just see what uh, some of you have shared I'm waiting for those to load. It matters how we see Jesus. He is more than a prophet. See, the next group of people that meet Jesus are the merchants, the money changers, and the shoppers. And it's easy if you know the story to be mad at these people. But if you think about it, they're really just the opportunists and the entrepreneurs. They saw an unmet expectation, and then they took it too far. See, you are an opportunist in these times. If you bought stock in Zoom in December, and you're an entrepreneur if you're building medical supplies or another digital platform in our social distancing season, unmet expectations can create opportunity, but they can also create inequity. The temple was supposed to be this place where reconciliation and restoration with God would happen. Where all people could find God. But the religious leaders became greedy and the temple became a money machine. It's kind of like when you go to a fancy theme park where everything in and around the park is excessively inflated. Why, yes. I would love to pay $45 for a lightsaber that I could buy for $10 at the Target boutique. Oh, I'm sorry, I need a special currency in order to buy the right souvenirs? Oh, so you're going to actually rip me off twice. Once to exchange my money, and then again to purchase the item with the special money. Well, that's what was happening at the temple. People would bring in their money from the outlying regions that had Roman signatures and images on it, and they would say, oh, that's not good in the temple. So then they would exchange that money and then say, these are the right souvenirs you need to buy, or in, if you will, sacrifices. And the people were being ripped off. God was not being honored. Inequity was happening all over. The temple needed to be cleansed as did the people. They needed to be cleansed as well. See, to the merchants and the money changers and the religious leaders that allowed the corruption, Jesus was a disruption to their lives. And I know there are many people who see this coronavirus pandemic as a disruption to their lives. And I think it's safe to say that it is disrupting our lives But what's more important to ask 
is what are my expectations of where I'm at in this? You know, planning for a chance to go to Europe with a band trip, missing the last year of a school carnival, working from home and working with your kids and being frustrated and exhausted. Those are all legitimate expectations. But what do we do with those? And when we reflect on these and how we're responding, we not only find out what our unmet expectations are, but what have been our unspoken expectations. And we have to hold those unspoken expectations right up next to our expectations of Jesus. There are many people who are feeling annoyed, disrupted, even inconvenienced by this pandemic, and that's all they're seeing. They're not seeing those that are scared, those that are sick, those that are suffering in the midst of this pandemic. The people who need real help and real hope and real healing. People who need Jesus. Not just Jesus the prophet, but Jesus the king and Jesus the savior. See, maybe you think I'm taking a leap by connecting these unspoken expectations to Jesus, but I want you to consider for a moment how government, education, and healthcare have all been able to rally around this thing and like they've never, ever done before. They're all going in the same direction, I mean, for the most part, and they're all working together, even if they come from opposite ends of a political or ideological perspective. It's amazing, actually. And I think it's because we're good at fighting something that is outside of us that we know how to attack and battle. But what about the millions of people who die from hunger every year? That's something we could rally around. That's something that numerous organizations and studies have told us that we have enough food in the world. What about the hundreds of thousands of people who are trafficked and exploited around the world, even in our own country? That's something we could battle. I'm not trying to make light of the coronavirus. I'm simply saying that the root of both of those problems that I just mentioned, the hunger and the trafficking, come from something inside of us. Something that is evil and sinister. And it's something that our governments, our education systems, and our healthcare cannot beat. Because it's rooted in sin. But it's something that Jesus can and has beaten. And that's why I think it's connected to Jesus. So again, what are your expectations of Jesus? This brings us to our last story, which is also the first story of Palm Sunday, according to Matthew. See, Matthew, the writer, bookends the events of Palm Sunday with the healing of those who cannot see. At the end of his story in Matthew 21, verse 14, Jesus has entered the temple. He's overturned the tables and drove out those buying and selling. 
And then the blind and the lame come to him in the temple, who were not allowed in the temple actually, but they came to the temple anyway, and it says he healed them. And before Jesus arrives in Jerusalem, two men get Jesus' attention as he's on his way. And we need to stop and look at them because they need to get our attention too. See, as Jesus is on his way, he's traveling in this huge crowd. There's no social distancing that's happening. So you have to picture this parade of people that's walking by. Thousands of people that are on their way up to Jerusalem. If you were an elementary school student, uh, maybe you got to see a parade of your teachers drive by last week. And if you did, you know the excitement of watching the cars go by and looking for your teacher, wondering if they're in one of the cars. And you can hear the excitement. You can see the excitement as you think about that picture. But now imagine not being able to use your sight. Imagine being blindfolded and having to listen for your teacher's car. Oh, heaven forbid that they drive a Prius with electricity and it's hard to hear, but you can get the picture. You have to listen. Your other senses have to be up. Well, in, these, in this story, the two men are not blindfolded, they're blind. But they heard that Jesus is in this huge crowd of people that's walking by. So they shouted, hey Jesus, carpenter's son from Nazareth, we need you. Or they shout, yo, Jesus, prophet from Galilee, we're over here, where are you? No, they don't shout either of those things. Instead, they shout, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Matthew records it twice for emphasis, but I imagine they shouted it repeatedly. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. They even get shushed. Have you ever been shushed? I hate being shushed. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. But their expectation of Jesus revealed their greatest desire. See, if we just stop there, we miss what's most important in the story. Jesus does stop. He comes over to them and asks them what he can do for them. Now, it's easy to go, oh, they were blind. They want their sight. And he heals them. Great, miracle happened. But it's so much more than that. Stop and think about if you were blind, why would you want to see If you were blind, why would you want to see? See, no pun intended, if I was blind, I would want to see because I would feel like I was missing out on what so many other people got to see. So my expectation and my desire is based not on, on, it's based on not wanting to miss out on what other people have. I think maybe some of us are coping better during this pandemic because we're all in the same boat. None of us get to go on spring break. None of us get to play sports. None of us get to do the things that we wanted to do. See, COVID-19 is not discriminating on ethnicity or gender or socioeconomic status. Everyone is affected. Even affects every age, even if our elderly and our immune compromised are at higher risk. It does not discriminate. But the bigger reason I would want my sight 
is because I wouldn't want to be dependent on others. I wouldn't want to beg for help. See, the other gospel writers include this story. They call one of the two men Bartimaeus, and they say that he was a beggar. In this time where people are losing their jobs, where others are going on furlough, it's maybe making begging more common. But deep, deep down, I would want to see so that I could be independent. So my expectation and desire is rooted then in those two things. See, if I could see, then I wouldn't need help. I wouldn't need healing. But I wouldn't need a savior. See, these two humans reveal their expectation of Jesus and their greatest desire because when Jesus heals them and they can see, they don't walk away from him. They get up and follow Jesus. Their lives, their, their sight has been changed, but what they really wanted was to see Jesus. And so they follow Jesus. They actually have the most accurate expectation of Jesus of the whole story. He is Lord and prophet, and savior. So again, what are your expectations of Jesus? See, as we enter Holy Week, this sacred reflection of Jesus' last week of life before his death and resurrection, I want you and I to stop and think about what those expectations are. What are the expectations of the season we're in, of your life as a whole, and your expectations of Jesus? And ask the Holy Spirit, where are you having trouble seeing? Where am I blind? Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you are prophet You are king and you are savior. And you showed yourself vulnerably and completely to the world and we despised you for it. You showed mercy and meekness and we saw it as weakness. You came to those who are blind and lame and last and least and we scoffed you. We didn't understand it. God, show us the places that we are blind in our own world, in our own way, God, may we use this time. We pray for those that are sick and for those that are suffering. We pray that we would be your hands and feet in ways that we have never been before. But we also pray, God, in this place of pause, in this place of shelter at home, in this place of having time to reflect and not rushing and rushing, that we would see you clearly. God, maybe for the first time ever, Would we take this holy week to see ourselves, to see the people around us, and to see our world as you see? To enter the week as you would enter, with all the expectations of what it would mean for you to rescue and redeem, and all the heartache 
of the betrayal, of the beatings, and of the death chant. All to redeem humanity. Every one of us. God, I pray that you would meet us wherever we're at and we could hear your truth, your grace, and your love. God, you say that you are not far from any of us. We just have to reach out. So today we reach out. Today we say, God, I don't want to see so I can be independent. I want to see so I can follow you. I trust in what you've done and who you are, not in what I've done and who I am. I pray that you would wash away my sin and my shame and that you would lift me up to be in relationship with you, not only on earth now, but in heaven one day. God, may we love you with all of our heart and soul and strength. Amen.